I'm Julie Jones. And I'm David Ban with the Real Property St. Pete podcast. And Remax Metro. Today, I'm very excited. We have a special guest here at Real Property St. Pete podcast, Steve Friedman, who's the owner of Sunshine State Development, an investor, renovator, and reseller of homes in our Tampa Bay area. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. We're so glad you're here. So I'm really curious how you decided to get into the real estate investing business. Well, I've been in the software business since 1992. Well, that's different from real estate investing for sure. Very. But after about 25 years of it, um, we were looking for new challenges, my business partner and I. And that that coincided with the housing crash in 2008. And uh, just looking at uh, or hearing from what other people were, were saying and doing. And uh, we found a home in St. Pete, like many people did back in 2009 or 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, we bought it, we fixed it up, we resold it, made a nice profit and said, hey, I think there's a business to be had here. And that was our new challenge. That sounds awesome. It's exciting when you have a success the first time out. That's not for not everyone. And certainly it takes a lot to have the right players involved in order to be successful. Do you have any idea how many homes you've fixed and flipped over the years since you started? We've done something north of 120 homes altogether. Did you ever uh, lose money on any of them? Once. (laughs) Just once. That's pretty impressive. And I blame it on the realtor at the time. (laughs) Uh, We went into a market. That's not good. Well, we went into a market that we were not familiar with. Mm-hmm. And the realtor said, oh, here's what you can sell it for once it's renovated and fixed up. So do you have any way to substantiate that opinion so you can avoid it for the future? Well, I do a lot more of my own comp work now. Great. Uh, just to uh, uh, for backup purposes and to satisfy myself that it's a good market for us. He also works with a great realtor. Two great realtors. <laughs> and, and, I, and I always enjoy that. We've had some fun challenges to deal with in the past when David's been on vacation. <laughs> so you do your own research for the comps. So let's talk about how do you go about doing that? Well, we start with the information that's available publicly uh, that Dave typically may provide to me. Uh, that's me. That's you. <laughs> Um, you know, high level uh, in a particular neighborhood, uh, what's sold recently in the last six months, typically. Uh, you try to find as close a comp as you can in terms of square footage, number of bedrooms, number of bathrooms, lot size. Very similar to what an appraiser might use as criteria. Correct. And then I try to go in and peel the onion back a little bit further in terms of how renovated was the house, if at all. In terms of comps, uh, there are varying degrees of what people consider renovated. Uh, You have 100% renovated. It's a beautiful high-end materials. uh, They've done a great job. Or, uh, you know, in some cases, they don't do a great job. Mm -hmm. uh, Skipped on the finishes. finishes, uh, Haven't done all the bathrooms. Uh, Maybe they didn't do the floors. Maybe it has a a 20-year-old roof that you know, is going to need to be replaced. So Mm -hmm. you have to take those into consideration as well. So you're just looking online during your own research? A lot of times when we do comp rolls, Julie and me, we look at what the current property in the current condition is selling for. So if somebody's trying to buy a property that's on the market, okay, this is what it's worth today. These are the comparables that are similar in similar locations, same size, all the same criteria. 
However, when Steve and I look at properties, we actually look at what the end game price could be. And that's what you're talking about is what the level of renovation that happens in the homes that are selling at the highest price. And are they completely finished? What if they were? And if they are, is that the right number that you'll get? Or can we get more? Exactly. So we're looking at a finished product set of comparables versus the current condition of the property. Right. I'm, I'm projecting forward with what I think we can sell the property for when we complete our renovations and then sort of back into what we think the value of the home in its current condition is after you take into account all of the labor, materials, services that you need, overhead uh, to complete the project, we back into what we think we can pay a fair price for. Carrying costs, taxes, HOA fees, if those exist. So that must be challenging in today's market conditions with both price points for homes in our in our Tampa Bay market and also the cost of materials and renovations. Do you have price points that work best for your business? Well, right now we're mainly in the manufactured housing market, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, obviously a smaller subset compared to single family homes. And we only work in a few select communities. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're That's probably driven by the current market situation and costs of materials and correct. repairs. Was there a great price point in the past that worked best for? There's really two price flipping? points that, that works for us now. Our best price points are the higher end, the waterfront, somewhere in the 350000 to $450,000 range, where you have a waterfront, a, a larger manufactured home, two or three bedrooms, 14, 15, 1600 square feet, with a dock and a boat lift. Uh, you're in St. Petersburg. You have no bridges to get into the, uh, the main waterways, into the, into the bay. Mm-hmm. So it's a very desirable area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the entry level is also a good price point for us. But do you think today's market conditions allow for flipping? It does for us. For single family and... For single family, it's it, it became very, very tough for us to find properties that made sense. You know, after all of the banks sold off their inventory of foreclosed homes and, and short sales back in 2016, 17, 18, mm-hmm. really all that was left were things that we thought should be demolished. Um, there was some really bad homes that were remaining on the market. Mm -hmm. Um, and And so did you ever shift to condos and townhomes and what does that look like? And is there an appeal for that now? We've done a couple of condos and townhomes. Um, we don't really like that market. Uh, the HOAs within the, those communities tend to be very difficult to work with as far as renovating and getting their approvals. Um, And so we try to take the path of least resistance rather than most resistance. Mm -hmm. And that's why we've shied away from condos and townhomes. That makes sense. I will say that uh, on the price point things, I think that when we look for properties, you know, we usually try to target when we were looking at single family homes, say five years ago and three years ago, 
and um, you know, in, and maybe projecting forward back to the single family homes. You know, we looked in the you know two to three hundred thousand dollar range in neighborhoods where we could purchase and potentially sell for five hundred thousand. I mean, that was kind of a gap that I think was a was a sweet spot, and then. We looked also in the five hundred thousand to six hundred thousand dollar range where we could sell for eight to nine hundred thousand. Those were, those were kind of like some splits that we used for where to buy and where to sell when we felt like you know the renovations could happen in the maybe hundred thousand dollars worth of renovations and still have a good profitability situation. So that's where we set up the searches with the idea that we could hopefully, you know, stay in that neighborhood where those comparables were similar and we could move our property from very poor condition to very nice condition. So, um, that was, that, I mean, that was a concept that we had and, um, you know, and you've done that other areas and that's, uh, that, that's been good for us in St. Pete with the business that we've done. You know, and I think that your experience in that situation with the single family homes could be a nice uh, piece of interest for our listeners. And you know, my question is, what kind of advice would uh, you give to new home buyers or existing home buyers who are trying to buy in St. Pete, maybe it's not their first home, but you know, they're moving down here. They're like, Hey, I want to buy a house. What are some things that are hidden that you might not know about, but that you find out about hopefully not after you've purchased the property, but that you look for in houses when you're buying them to know if that's going to be an expensive fix that could really hurt, you know, the profitability of the project. I would say that roofs are most important today simply because uh, for single family homes as well, insurers just won't insure a house unless it's got a relatively new roof on it today. And that's beyond just a four point inspection. That's just the age of the roof. And I had the same situation in my home. It was 18 years old and no leaks. It was in perfect condition with 30 year shingles on it. And after 18 years, the insurance company said, change your roof or we drop you. And nobody else would pick me up unless I got a new roof. So yeah, that seems to be commonplace right now. Indeed, I had to change my roof for the same reason. So when you look at a house that you're considering purchasing and the roof is 15 years old, I mean, you automatically account for that in the project. Yep. We will automatically assume that we have to replace that roof. If the air conditioning system is 10 or 12 years old or older, we'll automatically replace the air conditioning system. We'll check the wiring. In single family homes in the in that 1950s era, there was a lot of, uh, an earlier, a lot of aluminum wiring that all has to be replaced. We'll look at the circuit breaker box to make sure that it's a it's an approved circuit breaker box because that's a $1,500 to $2,000 item right there if it needs to be replaced. You know, one thing that I thought I would bring up on the aluminum wiring situation is that during the Air Vietnam era between 1967 and 72, everybody needed the copper for the war effort. And so a lot of the houses that are built in that particular period all have aluminum branch wiring, which is... Which is a dissimilar metal from the copper fixtures that are in your light switches and in your lights. All of those were copper and are copper today. And then you have aluminum wiring going to those things. Those are dissimilar metals. And that's why the insurance company won't give you insurance if they find the aluminum branch wiring in the house. Yeah, I remember we came across a couple of houses that had aluminum wiring that we just stayed away from because of the expense of rewiring a house. But interestingly, and I wasn't aware of that time frame, the oldest mobile home that we've renovated is 1972. And that'll explain why we never came across aluminum wiring in any of our mobile homes. Hmm. I always wondered why, because they were always so prevalent in single families in that area and, 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 be, and before. So 
Another thing that's come up in recent inspections in some of the houses that I've been dealing with, and I know you have been too, Julie, is the cast iron pipe drain lines. And we're starting to see inspectors recommend using the uh, the scope, the optical camera that they run down the lines and look at all of the lines visually. You know, all of our home inspectors are now recommending that you have that done so you can find out if the cast iron pipe that's the drain line in your house has um, uh, been degraded. Uh, do you, are, have you guys had any experience with that? A few years ago when we were, uh, before we shifted to mostly manufactured homes, uh, I remember we did have a couple of homes where we did get it scoped. And in one case, we had to replace the cast iron pipe. And in another case, we were able to flush it out, essentially, and uh, roto-rooter it out, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. Was it filled with roots or it was filled with debris? Well, one house had roots that had broken the pipe, mm-hmm. which we didn't know about. It was actually in the backyard or front yard heading out to the main sewer line. Mm-hmm. But in the other case, it was uh, just decades and decades of uh, build up. Build up. We'll just we'll keep leave it, it clean. at that. Yeah, we'll keep it clean here today. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious if I'm working with a client. I've always had somewhat of a reservation on approaching a flipped property, and knowing exactly what we should be looking for. So I know we're not necessarily approaching one of your flip properties that has a multi-point checklist of the major system. So do you have any advice for potential buyers looking at flipped properties and the things they should be looking for when they approach one of those? Probably the most important thing would be to find out all you can about whoever flipped the house and what their reputation is. Do they have reviews, good or bad, to find those out? Talk to someone who may have bought another house that they renovated. For the mobile homes that we do today, we give a 30-day guarantee of our workmanship. That's amazing. I've never heard of that. So if uh, within the first 30 days after closing, something goes wrong for something that we did, uh, we'll come in and we'll fix it. That's really exciting. Right. Do you do that for uh, single family homes too? Um, to tell you the truth, we haven't done a single family home in about three years, and wow. it's and it's something that we implemented about two years ago. So uh, we'll we'll have to discuss that next time you uh, you bring us a property that uh, is single family. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty risky proposition. <laughs> <laughs> so that yeah, I mean there could be a lot wrong with homes. That's for sure. You know that when you're selling one of the homes that you have renovated and put back on the market, um, you know those buyers are going to have a home inspection, and so and we know our home inspectors they're very thorough and they go through the homes. They have a really long checklist as well. So it's not unusual to be in a situation where the home inspector goes in and he hunts through the whole house and he finds a few things that are wrong with the house. That probably happens on a regular basis. Sure. And in fact, our uh, construction crews now are tasked with quality, not necessarily to building codes, but beyond building codes to what a buyer's home inspector will expect to see or or may find. So well, we've had properties that we've sold where the home inspector came in and he said the house is perfect, literally. I mean, once or twice, we've actually had a, an inspector couldn't that couldn't find anything wrong. Couldn't find anything wrong. That's pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, that was exciting for us. We had to give bonuses to all the guys on that, <laughs> on that one job. Um, but that's, that's, Really, who we build to today is um, the standard our, our, of the home the inspector. Standard of the home inspector, and to exceed that, I think it's good to point out that the home inspector is going to catch a lot of things that 
maybe wouldn't be something that would be contractually based, but are going to be irritants to a buyer. Like the door handle doesn't latch properly and it's missing a cover plate on an electrical outlet, things like that. It's great to have somebody like Steve and his company and the people that work with him on these homes doing an excellent job and renovating properties. You know, I've been through plenty of renovated properties that I look at and I'm like, wow, they didn't do this and they didn't do that. This is an old cabinet, still doesn't work. The drawers are messed up. The, um, you know, you, you know, one peek under the sink and you know whether the, they've touched any of the plumbing under there. The, uh, uh, if the disposal has the, the right wiring to it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's easy to see, you know, when you sold hundreds of homes and you've been through hundreds of home inspections, um, when you work with a professional, uh, like Steve, you know, you're going to find all those things already done. Well, we, we rely on a couple levels of quality control as well. Uh, Dave, you typically are or one of our levels, but <laughs> once you've gone through the house, then we send my wife through the house <laughs> and she finds things that nobody finds. Well, that's great. I always enjoy finding properties for you. And then I enjoy reselling them as well. And, uh, you know, I tell you the buyers come in and they're so excited. There's usually a competition for purchasing the properties. It's, uh, it's been a while since we've done one. We've, we've done probably 20 or 25 properties over the last five to 10 years. Um, and they've always been successful. Successful. I don't. Um, I've never. We've never had a loser. No. Um, so that's good. Um, and it's anyway. It's great working with Steve and his investors. And you know, Julie's helped out and has had the experience with their company as well. It's been very good. Appreciated <laughs> it. It's been enjoyable on our side as well. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm excited to have a guest today, Steve, with Sunshine State Development. And I'm hopeful that if you're thinking about real estate investing, or if you're a buyer in the market and considering a property that's been flipped, so so you've learned some things that you should be looking for. And we appreciate you listening today. Thanks for being here with us. And Steve, thanks for coming in. Thanks for inviting me in. It was a lot of fun. I'm Julie Jones. And I'm David Van with the Real Property St. Pete Podcast. And Remax Metro.